Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Israel's main coastline is on its west facing the Mediterranean. Its navy's main adversary used to be Egypt, and in the four decades of peace between Cairo and Jerusalem, maritime challenges emanated chiefly from Syria, Lebanon, and the Gaza Strip, especially since the sea turned out to offer an abundance of energy resources. Thus, the Israeli navy's main fleet is being... Uh, in being, is still operating out of the ports of Haifa and Ashdod, yet with Iran and its proxies threatening shipping and shore-based targets in the Persian Gulf, Bab el-Mandeb, and Red Sea areas, the naval vessels out of the southern Israeli city of Eilat and their cooperation with air force and intelligence assets, as well as American and regional partners, have also been tasked with a major responsibility. Israel now has to balance its naval activities between micro-versions of the 6th Fleet in the west and the 5th Fleet in the south, which are joined by Egypt's Suez Canal, which it is able to utilize for transit. Joining us to discuss Israel between two maritime fronts is Colonel Retired Dr. Ran Lehrman, who is the co-host of TV7 Middle East Review, Powers in Play panelist and the Vice President of the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security. Thank you for joining us, Colonel. Thank you. Also joining us from northern Israel is uh, Rear Admiral, retired Professor Shaul Chorev, who is the head of Maritime Policy and Strategy Research Center at Haifa University. Thank you for joining us as well, Admiral. Thank you. Thank you. Also joining us here in the studio is our TV7 editor at large and host of Watchman Talk, Powers in Play, and so much more, Mr. Amir Oren. Well, uh, Amir, when we're talking about Israel, obviously between the two seas, uh, it's challenged considering the fact that uh, its assets within the maritime domain are limited. Nevertheless, uh, the, the vast economic benefits in the Mediterranean and the various challenges accumulating these days uh, in various shipping lanes, as mentioned, and, and elsewhere uh, are challenging Israel somewhat. Uh, to what degree can you provide us some insight uh, to better clarify this complexity? So, um, as you know, Jonathan, and as our two guests, uh, who uh, each has uh, some uh, British background, uh, know, uh, when Britannia ruled the waves, the Royal Navy was the senior service. In Israel, um, it was not uh, uh, that way. Uh, The Air Force and the ground forces uh, took uh, center stage. And uh, one, um, in looking back, has to admire the foresight of the founding fathers of Israel, especially David Ben-Gurion, who insisted on opening uh, the uh, route to uh, the Far East by establishing the port of Elat. And um, then, um, a few years after Israel was founded, uh, to set up uh, a small naval base uh, at Elat, which which then uh, took um, additional responsibilities. Now, with the uh, uh, peace in Egypt and Jordan, which um, uh, makes the Red Sea um, an Egyptian-Israeli-Jordanian-Saudi lake, Israel, of course, uh, sees its uh, main existential threat coming from Iran. But the uh, maritime front there 
uh, has more conventional threats as well, especially with the Houthis cooperating with Iran, threatening uh, navigation, um, and the Iranians uh, retaliating or initiating strikes against not only Israeli uh, vessels, but also those partly owned by part Israelis, um, because they take the liberty uh, to define what they consider legitimate uh, targets. So if you uh, take that along with the uh, Navy's uh, added responsibilities in protecting the um, uh, energy assets uh, in the Mediterranean, the Navy has um, um, a full uh, plate um, to chew into. Indeed. Uh, from a policy perspective, uh, Dr. Lerman, I'd like to ask you, uh, what is the current uh, outlook from Jerusalem vis-a-vis -vis the various maritime fronts uh, at this stage, considering the various complexities at hand? Well, there are actually two uh, very different arenas for the time being, although the Iranians are trying to gain a presence also in the eastern Mediterranean via their uh, Syrian connection, not, not very successfully so far. But um, in the eastern Mediterranean, Israel is closely cooperating with the American Fifth Fleet as well as its uh, strategic partners in recent years, in the last decade uh, or so, namely Greece and Cyprus, with, a, a strategic, with their own strategic relationship with Egypt. It basically creates an alignment of forces that can uh, protect interests in the eastern Mediterranean. Uh, the challenge there, of course, has been, things are changing, but it has been uh, uh, the bid for dominance by Erdogan's Turkey. Uh, by now, uh, the Turks are uh, courting both Israel and Egypt. Things have uh, uh, shifted quite dramatically for various reasons. But still, the eastern Mediterranean is, a play, is an arena where we have uh, significant European partners and the United, and as well as the United States, which was embodied in the recent uh, uh, Nobel Diner annual exercise uh, in, just uh, in late March in the Eastern Mediterranean. The Red Sea and beyond is a new arena uh, of cooperation because this, this is the domain uh, on the American side of the uh, U.S. Central Command which for years would not touch Israel, uh, you know, with a 10-foot pole because of its um, relationships and, and duties towards uh, the key Gulf Arab countries. Of course, all of this has changed very dramatically since the Abraham Accords has, been, has begun to change even earlier. And today we are looking essentially not just at Egypt and Jordan, uh, as Amir mentioned, but also uh, at the UAE as a strategic partner under the joint, uh, and now Israel is in CENTCOM, so we are all under the aegis or under the wing of uh, an American command, which definitely seeks to uh, build up not only uh, exercises and, and, uh, and uh, peacetime cooperation, but also plans for joint plans for emergencies. All of this adds up to a very new, a dramatically new, uh, potential breakthrough in terms of Israel's presence, um, not only in the uh, 
in the Red Sea, but even beyond in the Northern Arabian Gulf. Admiral uh, Professor Khoev, I'd like to hear your perspective on this. And also, uh, to what degree the latest developments uh, which uh, uh, the Israeli Navy has undergone, including uh, the uh, assumption or acquisition of uh, uh, a number of frigates uh, of the, the South 6 class uh, into its ranks, uh, considering the fact that uh, overt assets today in the, the maritime domain are not necessarily uh, considered the most uh, uh, efficient uh, at a time when uh, they, they could be regarded as sitting ducks in, in some uh, contexts, and you as the former commander also of the, the submarine fleet, uh, do you see the transition potentially once again to uh, submarine uh, power as a strategic tool for advancing Israel's interests, uh, maybe a better course of action? Uh, I would like to start and to uh, evaluate what happened during the, let's say, 75 years of uh, Israel uh, independence. And as Amir mentioned, it uh, was right, or it or it is right that the, the, the lion's share of the budget was not directed to the, toward the Israeli Navy. However, if you evaluate what happened in 56, 67, the main reason or the casus belli for the, for the, for the 56 war, Kadesh or Sinai, and the 67 was the blockade of the, of the Tehran Strait. So, uh, when we are looking at uh, the, the, the events, I think that uh, we should consider also from geostrategic point of view, where is Israel located? And I think that uh, you mentioned that it's too front. I, I, I was invited by Italian to participate in the symposium and they asked me what, how you consider Israel as a middle ocean state. I asked them, where is the ocean? But they say, look, you in Egypt are the only one in the Mediterranean that they share the Red Sea and the Mediterranean. And I think that uh, in the Mediterranean, the Israeli Navy got what we call constabulary mission currently. What does it mean, constabulary mission? A Navy or, or state which has a Coast Guard to do this uh, policing of uh, securing the ex exclusive economic zone with the energy infrastructure that we have with desalination facility, power plant and all such things. So in the Mediterranean, I think that the, the Israeli Navy is focused on the threats that are coming from Hezbollah, from other terrorist organizations, and they have the mission to secure our infrastructure in this region. The more complex uh, arena is the Red Sea. And I would like to mention that even though in the Yom Kippur War, on the operational level, the Israeli Navy achieved a big success in the combat against the Syrian Navy, in the Egyptian Navy, and also in the Suez Strait, uh, also against Egypt. But speaking from strategic point of view, the Egyptian put a blockade on Israeli shipping and the Babel Bandab Strait. And when it come to, came to negotiation, Israeli released the blockade on the fifth of the third arm, army in order to get a, a freedom of navigation through Babel Mandate. So in the Yom Kippur War, which was considered to be in the operational level, 
a big success for the Israeli Navy. If you consider it from a strategic Navy uh, uh, level, they failed to uh, have a freedom of navigation through the Bab and Madep Strait. And I think that uh, we should uh, consider it, and I serve in uh, 78, 79 as a squadron commander of missile board, securing freedom of navigation and line of communication in the Red Sea. And this arena is very complicated. Indeed, which is uh, indeed vital also for Israel's southern um, commercial, uh, obviously, but also beyond right. that. Yeah. You are right. If you are looking at what is happening from a economic point of view, the center of gravity is moving from Europe to Southeast Asia through the Indian Ocean. And currently, 25% of Israel export import is going to the Indian Ocean through Babel Mandeb Strait. So I think that the Israeli Navy now have a challenge to see in such a complicated arena, not is limited only to the Red Sea, but also to the Gulf of Aden and the Indian Ocean, which the Iranian found that it's a, an area that uh, it's out of access of the Israeli Navy, how to secure line of communication uh, in this area. And I think that as Iran mentioned, the, 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 the good idea that we have a good cooperation with the Fifth Fleet. And after Abraham Accord, it considered to be uh, very trivial. But participating in what was called the shadow war against the Iranian tankers bringing, bringing oil to Syria, I think that from strategic point of view, we failed to consider what will be the result. And from 2019 till 2023, six Israeli-related uh, commercial ships were uh, hitted by Iranian, whether by limpet mines or by UAVs. So uh, in the Mediterranean, I think that uh, the, the situation is that uh, the Israeli Navy have a mission. I have some, uh, 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 let's say, reservation if we need such a big frigate like the South Six class boat to maintain this mission, but I think that the Israeli Navy is conducting this mission in successfully. You could see that the last UAV, they uh, uh, hit them and they uh, secure it. In the Red Sea, I think that it's a more complicated issue. And if you should ask, if you would ask me what is the next issue that the Israeli Navy should consider from a strategic point of view, not only the Israeli Navy, but uh, Israel, is how we can secure sea line of communication since our trade with the Far East is growing and growing all the time. Another mm -hmm. point is considering the Strait of Tehran. I don't know if you understand that in this time, Egypt transferred the, the Tehran island to the Saudis. And the Saudis asked the the, 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 the the the, uh, the uh, UN inspector who were responsible to to to, to secure it to, for free, uh, free passage to leave the area. The the relationship between Israel and Saudi Arabia is only in a turning point that we should consider what will happen there. So, from my perspective, I think that the Israeli Navy and Israel as a state should consider from a strategic point 
what is the role of the Red Sea in its strategy? I just wanted to mention that when uh, the transfer or the return of Tehran and Sanafi Islands to Saudi Arabia, which uh, gave them to the Egyptians uh, in the wake of the 48 war, to, so that they could maintain a siege of Israel. When the Saudis negotiated with the Egyptians the, the return of the islands, they undertook vis-a-vis uh, -vis the United States uh, through channels to sustain uh, all of Egypt's obligations as to uh, uh, free trade uh, in the Straits. So uh, it, it should be expected, although of course uh, you know, things can happen even in Saudi Arabia, but it, at least there's a basis for the expectation that they will sustain it. And, uh, and more generally, uh, Saudi and UAE interests cohere with those of Israel and the United States in terms of, uh, of the balance of naval power in the entire region. In this particular case, I don't agree with Iran because uh, the, the, the free freedom of navigation through the Strait of Tehran is mentioned in the peace agreement between us and Egypt. And it is governing the UNCLUS. The Saudi Arabia put it uh, explicitly that they are not uh, they are not taking the obligation as the Egyptian, and uh, that's is uh, uh, what is concerned me. And I think that uh, we should take it in consideration what will happen there. They don't have the same obligation as it's mentioned in the peace agreement with Egypt. They say that they have no reservation for it. And they are loyal only to the UNCLOS about what is a transit, transiting passage and so and so. Um, we, you know, we, we take we take success for granted. Um, when the uh, state of Israel was founded, there were fears that uh, there will there can be an invasion, especially by the Egyptians, uh, because Israel, of course. Um, um, has borders with four Arab countries, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, and Lebanon. But uh, the uh, West Coast was uh, completely uh, open to uh, invasions, and the memory of World War II was still uh, fresh. Um, there was no invasion. Also, uh, one of the greatest fears had to do with food stocks and other strategic materiel in Israel because the fear was of a long war when um, the merchant marine will be attacked by submarines or, or surface vessels. Again, this has not materialized. Also, between uh, 1956 and um, the revolution in Iran, Iranian oil flowed through Elat to um, Israeli uh, refineries and uh, they're from either to the Israeli market or to the global market. All of that was protected by the Israeli Navy, either by deterrence or by presence. So we should also note that when we don't hear of attacks or mishaps, this is also a success. With that being said, of course, when we look on the southern front and uh, with regard to what you mentioned, Admiral, I, I think it's it's... Um, quite obvious that at this stage, Saudi Arabia, even though not explicit on its intentions vis-a-vis -vis Tehran and Sanapir, uh, it, it will maintain, uh, at least from what I see and, and the communications I had in that direction, uh, they will maintain uh, freedom of navigation for Israel and, and anybody else uh, transiting through those uh, waters. And I'm more concerned uh, regarding the southern 
part of that uh, equation, which is Yemen, where Iran remains supreme, and uh, the Houthis, together with its uh, alliance of tribes, has managed to attain quite a significant uh, uh, weaponry, whether it is ballistic missiles or other uh, surface-to-shore uh, missiles, uh, which uh, may also prove uh, challenging to various assets uh, traveling, uh, not only civilian commercial lines, but also military uh, uh, vessels transiting there. Uh, the contingency that should be planned by Israel is obviously a legitimate uh, equation in order to ensure the freedom of maritime navigation there. But at the same time, we do see the United Kingdom very active in those waters. We see the United States very active in those waters. Uh, we just had the uh, uh, joint exercise between Italy, France, and uh, the United States that uh, saw the quite uh, impressive maneuver. Of course, that came in order to provide some sort of uh, contrast to that of uh, or contra to the one uh, executed by the Russians, Chinese, and uh, Iranians. But to what degree do you see the complexity of the maritime navigations going even further, one step uh, beyond that, considering the strategic waterway also transiting roughly between one quarter and one third of world's uh, energy supplies uh, going again from uh, the, the uh, Persian Gulf all the way to, to Europe and beyond? You're right. I think that uh, you mentioned and... Uh that's what I tried to mention about the Yom Kippur War. And uh, the Red Sea is a very complicated arena to operate there. And uh, when we are speaking about, uh, uh, there is the, the, democracy, the diplo diplomacy function of the Navy. Yes, the Israeli Navy is doing some exercise with the Fifth Fleet. But we can't ignore that from 2019, Till February 2023, six related merchant ships were attacked by uh, Israeli, uh, Iranian Revolutionary Guard. So they identified that uh, if they have to revenge against our operation in Syria, in uh, other places, uh, they, uh, they identified this arena that they can operate. I think that the Sixth Fleet is uh, not, uh, let's say, it's not uh, deterring the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. So it's become more complicated because if we can rely on the fifth fleet for a freedom of navigation, it could be nice. But you see what is the, 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 the action of the fifth fleet when the Iranian Revolutionary Guard are taking some of the surveillance autonomous vessel toward them and uh, what is the reaction? So that's the reason that I am uh, saying that the, the Israeli Navy, Israel by itself, should consider what strategy it has to do with this uh, arena of the Red Sea, not only the Red Sea, the Gulf of Adam, the Arabian Sea. If you, you examine what were the, 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 the uh, attacks that uh, occurred there, it was not in the Persian Gulf. It was far beyond it. It's about uh, 300 kilometers of uh, Oman. So how to secure this sea line of communication, even though it was not an Israeli uh, that are under Israel flag or uh, are in Israel. But uh, it's caused us a problem. And I think that from strategic point of view, we should consider 
what to do. Dr. Lerman? Clearly, uh, in the northern uh, parts of the Gulf of Aden, uh, much will depend on Israel's ability to cooperate also with the UAE, because they have struck an alliance with the southern uh, tribal elements of, of Yemen, and they uh, uh, indirectly uh, influence, if not control, uh, this area and the island of Socotra, which is uh, potentially a key strategic asset in that region. And uh, as, as much as we can uh, maintain and enhance cooperation with the UAE, and uh, there are complicated relations between them and the Saudis over the Yemeni situation, but ultimately the Saudis have the same set of interests. As long as we can, as much as we can expand this, as I said, under the wings or the ease of the American uh, presence, uh, NAVCENT, um, I think this is the key to our ability to deliver uh, on the points that Charles mentioned. Indeed. Mr. Owen? Well, the Israeli Defense Forces um, has a from-the-sea doctrine in which uh, should uh, another war with Hezbollah erupt, and um, Israel will see fit uh, to invade southern Lebanon, the ground forces as well as the air force will be helped um, on their uh, western flank by the Navy operating out of Haifa with uh, a lot of firepower and perhaps other activities. Um, so uh, cooperation between the various branches of the IDF uh, has uh, greatly improved over the last uh, decade or so. Indeed. Well, uh, taking, of course, into account that uh, the Navy is small, it needs to clearly um, coordinate where, what assets to put where and uh, to ensure that uh, it is able to uh, secure ultimately. But, but because of connectivity, and uh, improvements in electronics in general, the uh, fiery unit can come from the sea as well as uh, from artillery, uh, armor, and obviously air. Indeed. Uh, well, uh, nevertheless, its main goal is to secure Israel's economic waters, uh, which is uh, obviously uh, vital for the strategic interests of the state of Israel. But this is all the time that we have for today. I'd like to thank Admiral Chorev, uh, Dr. Lerman, and Mr. Owen, for being part of today's panel. I'd like to thank all of you uh, who watched today's episode from uh, home. And uh, until next time, shalom. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.